Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are to that point of uh, the offseason where the season is almost here. Big 12 Media Days kick off this week, along with other major conferences that are going to have their dog and pony show where every coach talks about how excited they are and they're going to be an attacking defense and they got new schemes on offense. TCU will be traveling all the way over to Jerry World, Coach Patterson, to catch up not only with the Horn Frogs, but the rest of the Big 12. We're going to do a preview and kind of a summary of what's going to be going on in Big 12 Media Days. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. As always, we want to kick off this episode by thanking our sponsor, Team Life, that goes out of their way to invest in the lives of junior high and high school students in DFW and beyond. Teamlife.ngo is a website I want to encourage you to go to to either make a one-time or reoccurring donation to invest in students or volunteer so that you can give of your time to let these junior high and high school students know that someone cares about them and wants to give them the, the and help them be equipped to be successful in their life. Go to teamlife.ngo to learn a lot more about this great spot. Daniel and Jeremy, how are you men doing tonight? Doing very good. On the eve of Big 12 Media Days, very excited. Yep, doing good. Well, we have all three of us talking. Daniel's kind of been under the weather. I call it brown bottle flu where I'm at the last couple weeks, but we got him on the show here tonight. Uh, Let's just dig in. We've already talked about it. Let's talk about it more. Jared. Jeremy, you've been to multiple Big 12 media days. You understand uh, what kind of event this is. Just kind of take us inside. What's it like to be literally sitting at that event? It's going to be in Jerry World this year. For Big 12 media days, what's it like in that circus of, of media that gathers to, to shoot dark questions at these coaches and players? I mean, it's fun. You get a lot of answers. Sometimes you get a lot of answers from what has been pressing the whole offseason. Uh, you have obviously coaches from every school there. It's kind of split up between Monday and Tuesday. You'll have uh, TCU with other schools on Monday, and then the other schools will come in on Tuesday. I don't have the list right in front of me, so I can't tell you who TCU is going to be with um, on Monday. But it's it's a ton of media out there. There's Radio Row. You have uh, some of the biggest names in sports media out there that follow the Big 12. It's, it's fun to get a chance to uh, – just mingle with a lot of uh, guys that you know out there that cover Big 12 or cover other programs that you interact with on Twitter and you finally get a chance to sit down with them, talk to them face-to-face. And it's fun to get to to go around each one of these tables and, and visit with other players, visit with other coaches. And just it's just the sense of knowing that college football is right around the corner. The, the football season is upon us. And these teams will be getting ready to gear up for fall camp in just a matter of weeks. So it's always been an exciting time. I love that it's at Jerry World this year. It's a great drive for me. I don't have to go all the way up to Frisco to the star. Uh, I like going up to the star the last couple of times because it's it's not too bad of a drive. There's a ton of parking. I'm a parking guy. And if you're a TCU fan, you're a parking person too. You hate having to find parking. And when they used to have these things in downtown Dallas, I hated it. I hate trying to park in a garage, hate paying for parking. Now it's at Jerry World. Short drive for me, 35, 40 minutes. Plenty of parking out there at Jerry World. Great big stadium on the football field. It's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. Jeremy, when you proposed to your wife, did you find out if she was a parking girl or a non-parking girl? Because this seems to be something that's kind of your love language is good parking. Does that sound right? (laughs) There's been plenty of arguments and almost uh, (laughs) – 
a few uh, <laughs> divorce challenges when it comes to parking, especially when it's date night and we're going out and we, I hate seventh street. I love seventh street, but I hate seventh street because you can't park anywhere down there. You can't find anything. It's a bunch of young hoodlums walking around you, you mid to late twenties guys, early thirties guys with your collars popped and your sunglasses on and thinking you own the whole place. But uh, no, I, parking is uh, one of my pet peeves, as is traffic. If you pull up behind Jeremy in a parking garage, the four words on his bumper sticker are get off my lawn. So definitely <laughs> moving right along here. Uh, obviously, the, the program has the opportunity to take players. The players will be available for interviews. We're able to get in a little more intimate setting where, you know, you can ask a question. You can ask a follow up question for a for a period of time there in the afternoon. What is Coach Patterson looking for? Well, first of all, who's he taking? Let's ask that and then we'll ask the follow-up. Who's Coach Patterson taking? Because there's noticeably not a quarterback, but there's obviously some big names that are going. Who are, who's Coach taking to Jerry World? Yeah, he told me he wasn't going to take a quarterback because he, he knew taking a quarterback would create all kinds of uh, controversy over there. But uh, Lucas Niang, Ennis Gaines, Garrett Wallow, Jalen Rager – I believe Kelton Hollins was a late addition. And who am I missing? You're, uh, I've got five listed right there. Um, I can't remember who the last one was. Help me out here, Jeff. I can't remember either, and I, I don't have my phone sitting next to me. Uh, I don't know. We'll just keep rolling. I'll track it down. You keep talking. So what oh, do you no, want right, me to no, know? Okay, what, I'm sorry. What do you want what, me to You know, there's – there's clearly star athletes. There's there's clearly guys that um, I, I think are going to be first round draft picks, like like Ross Blacklock. What what's the criteria that Patterson is looking for in terms of who who he's going to take? Because it's in some ways it's an honor, but it's not necessarily like the five best players on the team. What is Coach Patterson looking for right. when he when he selects a young man to go to Big Twelve Media Days? Well, they got to be doing right on and off the football field, and, and really it's it's how you carry yourself and how. Uh, you're going to represent uh, the name TCU. It, it's it's really mostly about that. It's not really that you've got to be this great player or you've got to be this all-conference top player. It's really how you're going to present yourself and, and, and kind of how you represent the whole program. It's kind of like if you have a, a great family, you're going to represent, you know, you're going to send out your best family member to represent your family. You're not going to send the guy that everyone talks bad about and is, not a good representation of what you're trying to be. So that he sends those guys over there that have done well uh, throughout their time on campus. Uh, guys that are good at football, but they're going to answer questions the same way, kind of like he does. If, they, if they're presented some hard questions, you're going to get a lot of Gary Patterson type answers. It's, it's something that they don't talk too much about themselves. They don't say stuff that they're not supposed to say. And, He's going to give those those players uh, an opportunity that have, like I said, done well uh, within their few years on campus, and he feels that he owes them the opportunity to go out and and talk about themselves a little bit and talk about the program and just give them a chance to be in the spotlight a little bit. I couldn't find it. I grabbed my phone. I couldn't find it. We'll all find somebody. Everybody's listening is going to tweet us right away. Jalen Ray, Lucas Niang, Garrett Wallow, Ennis. Garrett Wallow and his games. Jalen and Kelton, Kelton Hall. Kelton Hollins was a late. It wasn't Ross, was it? No, it's not, it's not Ross Blacklock, it's is it? It's not Ross. No. No. Uh, what is Where's Ru- Daniel at when we need him? He's our technical guy. Drunk. Um, 
we'll keep we'll keep rolling here. We'll we'll stop the guessing game. As exciting as that is, let's everybody listening to us do that. All right. So the frogs are not taking a quarterback. So we're going to use this to do our obligatory quarterback talk. I feel like you need to do kind of ongoing group therapy for our message board about uh, what people are feeling and experiencing around the quarterback battle going in in this offseason, getting ready for fall camp here. Uh, Anything you can give us? You posted an update on how uh, Alex Delton was doing in 7-on-7. Give us any more insights since we bled this thing dry two weeks ago about the status (laughs) of the quarterback race. And then I want to answer this follow-up, and I'll get you ready for it now. Um, Are they one B-minus quarterback away from winning 10 games? Because we're going to roll right into Big 12 predictions from that. What do we know about the quarterback, and what what is how key is that to this season? I mean, it's the biggest key, first of all. I mean, you got to have a good quarterback to to win some games. And I did a piece on Saturday or late Friday night, I think it was. I was planning on doing it Saturday, but I decided to go ahead and run it Friday night about why I think each quarterback has a chance to start and why I think each of them don't have a chance to start. Uh, when, when I look at all the things uh, that Gary Patterson said during the spring, what I was told during the spring from a bunch of different people, a bunch of different sources that were out there watching, watching spring and, and really up until the off season fall camp seven, seven on seven, isn't really a, a big indicator of, of how good a quarterback's going to be able to play, but because they don't get pressure, they don't get rushed, but they do have a certain amount of time to get rid of the football and it is quick decision-making, but uh, I guess the biggest thing right now is that the quarterback group is better in general as they, than they were last year. Gary said that time and time again. Uh, if you look at what you've heard about the guys getting in there and studying, Alex Delton is a guy that I was told just studies and studies and studies. And when I mentioned that he has a great bond with Jalen Rager, I mean, I, I'm hearing it from outstanding sources regarding that. So if, if you believe that, you, you should. I mean, if you don't believe it, then you maybe should get on board to believe in it. That it, when, when you hear those type of things, that that, that is kind of a eyebrow raiser when you hear your, your top receiver and arguably the top receiver in the Big 12, uh, you know, getting along with a particular quarterback, you may want to pay attention to it. But the battle's not going to be won until the week of the Pine Bluff game. I don't think Gary's going to say anything tomorrow regarding quarterback. He's going to talk great about each one, uh, what they bring to the table. Uh, I, I do think people are going to ask him about Justin and his health. And last week, Gary did an interview with Matt Mosley talking about how he wasn't completely healthy. And people are going to ask, well, what's what, what does he need to be completely healthy? And I don't know if he's going to really come out and say it, um, but we'll see. And Matthew Baldwin, I'll, I'll be surprised if he comes out and says that Baldwin had a surgery. But we all know you guys that are subscribers to HFB, I've told you guys you're not going to be in the dark. And. I've seen other places that had no idea that Baldwin was even uh, even had surgery or was even on crutches until a couple of days ago. So it, it's it's going to be an interesting battle, man. Uh, I I can't tell you how it's going to unfold. I mean, I've said time and time again uh, they want an athletic quarterback on offense. They want a guy that can run. Yes, one of the things I did mention about Justin the other day is Dwayne Haskins. He's not a runner. The only guy that thought Dwayne Haskins was a dual threat guy was Stephen A. Smith, and look how bad he got trashed online. But uh, right now, Justin Rogers isn't Dwayne Haskins. He's not making those type of quick decisions. Does he have the tools to 
to be a guy that can sit back in the pocket and throw lasers? Yes, he does. But that doesn't do you any good if you're not going to be able to read defenses and make quick decisions. So that's part of the problem that he's got to get past. He hasn't played football in almost two years, boys. So I, I, I don't, I don't know how anyone other than just, you know, wanting to, to see him with your heart, be the starting quarterback right now, because if, if we're all being honest with ourselves, he's, if he wins the job, he has done a hell of a job and we're all rooting for him to do good. It's be, be an outstanding story. Um, but, you also got to look at he's he's got some things to overcome before I think he's going to be able to beat out a guy like Alex Delton or even Mike Collins or, or even the other freshman, Max Duggan. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I know that that's hard to hear for everybody. Um, let me go ahead and uh, out myself here. Ross Blacklock is the sixth guy. I found it. So, yeah, I made that mistake. I screwed that up. It is it Ross. Is Ross. Okay. I didn't think it was Ross. It's Ross. Ross, Ennis Gaines, Lucas Niang, Garrett Wallow, Jalen Rager, and the interview machine, Kelton Hollins. So, <laughs> I, listen, I love Kelton Hollins, but he, the the kid, I think that they were probably looking for a kid to come over there and not say a whole bunch. And and Kelton probably was the top of the list. Uh, and and I think Mark Cohen probably gets a little giggle knowing that he, there's a bunch of us media guys over there that are going to be ready to ask Kelton some questions, and he's going to give us the same answer. Over and I'm over, just grateful for this you know opportunity what? to play at TCU, and we're going to go out there and play with everything we have because it's a gift from God. It's all true. It's a great yep. answer. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you, I love he he is he is Kelton is genuinely glad to be where he's at. Uh, the kid is just so grateful, and and we we can joke around and make fun and say he doesn't say a lot of things, but man, he is he is just a really good kid. And he really is just, you know, the kid probably will cry the day he walks across the stage and, and gets his degree because that's how far he's come to, to get where he's at. I mean, he, he knows he is living a dream, just like he said a hundred times. Um, but you you feel good about kids like that because, man, they just they are so appreciative of, of where they're at right now. And um, it just having a chance to go over there and, and speak in front of the the you know, contingent of media and all that. I think it's part of the, the whole thing I was saying earlier. It's not necessarily they're all great players. Kelton's a good player. He started last year, but I think Coy McMillan's going to battle him at center. And I think Coy's probably going to ultimately win that job. But when you look at a kid like Kelton that has just represented your school good and he's fought hard on the football field and, and he's just a general good person overall, you give him a chance to go out there and, and, and kind of soak up every bit of uh, attention that you're going to be getting uh, in, in front of all those people out there. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and transition to the predictions from the Big 12. The media poll has come out before the Big 12 media days were even – it was released before the event even began. Frogs are positioned fourth. That's where the media places them. We've got Oklahoma number one. They got a super majority of the number one votes, understandably, followed by Texas. Yep. They got a few, and nobody else got any off. Third, Iowa State. For TCU, uh, let's go ahead and do some predictions here. Daniel, I'm going to hit you up first. The Frogs are going to be uh, number four, our number four in the preseason poll. Are you predicting that they're going to come in higher than that or lower than that? Where do you see the Frogs coming in this season in the Big 12? Dead last. No, not really. Back, not really. Kansas lost, man. You still haven't gotten over that. <laughs> 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 um, 
fourth, mm, I, I think more like third. Third's not bad. You think you, you got him coming in third? I, I, I don't. I don't have a, a, a ton of research on that. Uh, I've been busy all summer, but that's just that's just the feeling I get. I, I don't. But I don't think fourth is quite right. So I'm going to go with third. Go with third, Jeremy. Where do you where do you see the frogs landing? I had them picked second. Uh, I, I oh, think, yeah. hello. Well, because I I think if they can get a, an answer at quarterback, because if you look at last year, they were just a couple points of being a 10-win team with a disaster at quarterback. And they, they've, they've got a ton of guys coming back on defense. They've got the most explosive offensive player in Jalen Rager. They've got a really uh, good backfield as long as Shawo gets – eligible uh you know hopefully we hear something about that tomorrow uh, i don't think we will but i'm just keeping my fingers crossed that maybe we will hear something and you got darius anderson and, and you've got an experienced offensive line they are, they do have a tough schedule as far as playing games out of the state playing games on the road Oklahoma's going to be tough oklahoma state's always been tough for them to go on the road iowa state's going to be a tough road game uh but they get texas at home uh, Texas Tech will be a tough road game for them, but I think Texas Tech might be a, a down year. Baylor playing at home is going to be good for them to play at home. West Virginia. And so I, I think if they can just get past Oklahoma State and Iowa State on the road, Oklahoma is going to be tough. Um, but I, I was kind of feeling the whole thing that they have. It, it just reminds me so much of that 2016 team to where they have a lot coming back. And if you could just get a smidgen of improved quarterback play, then I think you have the case of, of, of having a team that can win nine or 10 games and sneak up on some people. I think playing Texas at home is going to be big for them. Uh, I think the only people that voted Texas top in the conference are the people that actually cover Texas. Uh, I think people are looking at their 10 wins from last year and they're going to hang their hat on that and, and and I can understand that, but I think Texas might have caught lightning in a bottle last year. I still think if Jeff T- Ketchum says what? <laughs> I still think I still think if TCU, I'm, and I mentioned this on the board, I still think if TCU, if Sean wouldn't have thrown that pass to Brandon Jones and they he would have hit a wide open Jalen Rager, they go up twenty ten. I still stand firm in my statement that they would have won that game. Texas would have been yes. out of it, and I think that's that particular moment just it it had some type of impact. I don't know how much of an impact, but that particular moment had an impact on the rest of their season. And I think with the way that we've heard the quarterback talk over the spring and through the off season, that you've got to at least think that they're going to be better at that position. You hope that they're going to be better at that position. It can't, it can't get much worse than what it was last year, to be honest. And, and everything else will kind of come into play. I think the offensive line is going to play better. I think Ross Blacklock's going to come out on fire. He's missed a whole season, so he's going to be ready to go out there and play. I think Garrett Wallow is going to be one of the best linebackers in the Big 12. You got one of the top secondaries. You got Jeff Gladney and Julius Lewis. Gary Patterson, I mean, he told me a little over a week and a half ago that people are kind of sleeping on Julius Lewis because everyone's going to be focused on Jeff, but Julius has had a great offseason. And they think he's going to have a really good senior season. And and you got to remember, this is a guy that played as a true freshman. So he's he's had a ton of experience. He started all 13 games last year, got through his season healthy. And I think they're going to have two of the better cornerbacks in the Big 12. But I, I, 
I think I'm I'm an optimist. I always like to see the best in things, and maybe I'm going too crazy, but I, I do think TCU has a chance to surprise some people, just like they did in 2017. You know, this is my obligatory Julius Lewis comment. You know that Ty Summers gets credit as he should for stuffing that fourth down run against Baylor in the in the hail, right. but Julius Lewis came in and and, and scraped that thing up. So yep. I, I I remember I remember. I remember Coach Patterson saying that he called a, a signal, he called a blitz that I think they hadn't called since August in the hopes that he picked it up and Julius Lewis knew what he was supposed to do and went in there and got in on that tackle. And I, I'm not saying he would have gotten run for 10 yards, but Ty, you know, Ty did his job and Julius Lewis knocked him down. So I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big Julius Lewis believer. And I think with him and Gladney healthy and good to go, I think – this has the potential to be one of the best back five that Patterson's ever had because you got a healthy Ennis Gaines Roman back there. That is going to yep. be a nasty def- defensive secondary. So and what, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead. I'll tell you this right now too, is that I've heard out of all the safeties, uh, Trayvon Morg, he's, he's a guy that I've loved come ever since he came out of high school. He's six two, two hundred ten 210 pounds. You got Ennis Gaines at six two, two hundred eight. 208. Vernon Scott's like 6'2", 210. Their safeties are huge. This isn't the typical TCU safety bunch we've seen in the past. So the, the, the people that were cringing every time they saw Nico Small trying to come up and hit a 230-pound running back, I don't think you have to worry about that so much this year. And, and the guy that everyone has told me could be the best one of them all is LaKendrick Van Zandt. He has incredible talent, and he may battle one of those guys. He may he may battle Ennis, or he may battle Vernon for one of those spots. I mean, they he might be good enough to where they have to get him on the field. So that's another name to keep an eye on in in the defensive secondary. But Vernon is it, so funny. It's it, uh, I remember the night that TCU actually started recruiting him. I was there the night that they started recruiting him. They. They were there to watch Julius Lewis. Kenny Perry was there to watch Julius Lewis. And everyone remembers how fast Julius Lewis was in high school. He actually also played running back. Julius Lewis takes off around the left side, and he's gone for about a 60-yard touchdown. Vernon Scott, which was playing corner on the other side, runs him down on an angle and tackles him, saves a touchdown. And it wasn't about 30 minutes later I found out that, yep, TCU just started recruiting Vernon Scott. <laughs> so that's a pretty good little pretty good little story there for you boys. Yeah, that's a good story. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that I think the Frogs come in second in Big 12 regular season and then they win the Big 12 title game. I, I just can't imagine that we lose to Oklahoma again. But I, I think that uh, the Frogs are going to be in a, in a good position – I, I I hear I'm not I'm not plugged in as I'm not plugged in like you and but I have had multiple people tell me good things about Alex Delton and they're not blowing smoke and they know that I don't have the platform you do so I feel really good about um, what's going to happen to quarterback and I also have tried to really trim my expectations about my defense this defense but this defense looks really good when you think about lining up Blacklock and Bethley and Malik Blackshear. And hope that one of these defensive ends, and I'm looking at Plant or uh, Workman, I think either one of them can start at defensive end. And they're not going to be Ben Banigou. They're not going to be RJ, LJ Collier, but they're going to be good. And I think that that's going to be enough. And that all we need is another linebacker to stay healthy. That's all we need is somebody to be healthy playing next to Garrett Wallow. 
And I think that that defense is going to is going to be the best defense they've put on the field in a long, long time. I like 2017's defense. I think this defense can be better, especially with that secondary and the experience that it has. And I think that's going to put the Frogs in second play in the second spot going into the Big 12 title game with an ability to win that game. I don't think you have to pick Oklahoma until somebody beats Oklahoma and and I pick them to win the regular season. That's just it. But gosh, man, I I know somebody can find a recording. I said something stupid like this last year. I bet they can't have three straight (laughs) Heisman trophy winners. I mean, and I know that Jalen Hurts is really good and I know that he was at Alabama and I know Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing and they've got a lot of weapons there. But I'm really interested to see what Lincoln Riley is going to be able to do with Jalen Hurts because it's uh, it can't be what Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray did. But then again, I mean, it might as well be. So who knows? But I, I think the that they're, they're going to be in a spot, good spot. I, I think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. I don't think he's in the same universe as Kyler Murray and, and what Baker Mayfield were. Uh, and you're talking about the two top overall picks the last two years. And even when Baker Mayfield graduated – we all knew that Kyler Murray had ex- extraordinary talent, had a great arm. Anyone that actually watched Oklahoma football when Mayfield was there and had a chance to watch Kyler Murray, everyone was even kind of mentioning then that, man, Kyler Murray might have a better arm than Mayfield. And so I, when, I, when I look at Jalen Hurts, he is an outstanding player, and I think he's going to do well at Oklahoma but I don't think it's going to be one of those years where you're going to be talking about Jalen Hurts as a as a Heisman finalist. That's just me. I mean, I'm not trying to dog the kid or anything. I'm just telling you, you can have your opinion on how good you think players are. I don't think he's near as good as what Baker and Kyler were. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the defense real quick? I w- Go I wanna- for it. Okay. I was thinking about this the other day. Think about this as a defense. 6'5", 235-pound D-end. 6'2", 305 defensive tackle. 6'4", 320-pound defensive tackle. 6'5", 267-pound defensive end. 6'2", 220-pound linebacker. 6'3", 215-pound linebacker. Or 220 pounds, sorry. 6'0", 190-pound cornerback. 5'10", 180-pound cornerback. And then all the safeties I mentioned earlier. 6'2", 210. 6'2", 6'2", did you ever imagine TCU's defense ever being that big? That is a big front. That is a big front six. And no, I, I have not envisioned that. I mean, I know, I know when they have D tackles that weigh over three hundred, good things happen. But we've never had two D tackles that weigh over three hundred that play like Bethlehem and Blacklock. So I, I not only is, is that size a surprise. But look at that athletic ability about what they're able to do. I don't know what it's like coming back from an Achilles, and everything seems to be positive, but there's still some questions. But all I know is that I think Ross Blacklock could, like, break a bus over his neck. That is a huge <laughs> young man. I mean, what about I, Blackshear? I, you saw the picture uh, of Blackshear, right? I saw I mean. <laughs> the picture of Blackshear. He, I want him – they say him and, him and Ross need to be the first two off the bus, and I, I kind of agree with that. But Corey Bethley's fighting to, to be one of those first two guys as well because he is a machine. So – Man, that is a huge defense. So, I, you know, you talk about this defense, you got experience in the defensive backfield where you have to be smart, quick, and strong to play for Patterson. You've got so much strength and size on the front four and their ability to get to the quarterback as long as whoever's playing opposite of Blackshear is quick and smart. 
I think they're going to be able to get a lot of tackles because they're going to have so much focus that has to go on those other three. If he just gets one on one on their second, st- I mean, on their on their on their tackle, he's going to be able to uh, he's going to be able to cause chaos, aka Matt Boson in 2017. So I'll be interested to see who what their blocking schemes are for that front four because they're going to chew some stuff up. And I think this is the part about it that I love. And you know, I've been on the record about. You know, I think targeting is good. I think, you know, they're, they're changing the blindside block this year. we got to get some of those hits out of the game. All that being said, there's still nothing better than watching somebody get planted. And if those front four guys are holding up all of those blockers, look at what Garrett Wallow is going to do. He's going to decapitate somebody in a legal way this year. That his, Garrett Wallow's high school tape is still my favorite tape to this day because he it's like he sets his hair on fire and goes and smashes people. I cannot wait to see Garrett Wallow with those big men in front of him because I think he's going to annihilate somebody. Um, that That's my take on the defense. <laughs> Garrett Wallow's, uh, like I said earlier, I think he has a chance to have a uh, all Big 12 Conference top year. He's the only one that has really any any game experience at the position. But Montreal Wilson's a guy to keep an eye on. Him. If you look at Montreal and his career, someone was asking me what my expectation was of Montreal for his last year, and I said, just stay healthy. And people were like, really? That's your biggest expectation? Yeah. I mean, because there, what other expectation can you have right now? You can't you can't sit there and hope that he has eighty or ninety tackles because the guy hasn't been completely healthy the last three years of his career. So first and foremost, you got to make sure he can get through the year. If he can get through the year one hundred percent healthy, then you would hope that he can somehow total seventy to eighty tackles and and try to help Garrett a little bit at that position. But you got to remember, Montrell Wilson's a kid that played as a true freshman, so it's not like he's coming out there and, and not knowing what the heck to do on Gary Patterson's defense. He will be uh, smart enough. He's obviously athletic enough at 6'3", 220, and he's fast enough. And what I was mentioning about the size of all these guys, they're all fast, too. They're all fast and athletic. They're so fast. And I think that's why you're starting to hear uh, more talk about this defense in particular and how it could be one of the best they've had. They still got to go out there on the field and 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 prove it to everyone. But man, on paper, like Coach P says, paper tigers. Man, they are some paper tigers. I mean, they he has got some solid dudes at each position, and and there's some places where they're even two and three deep. If Ross Blacklock got hurt this year again, guess who comes in and plays for him? Terrell Cooper. Terrell Cooper's a guy that had not didn't have a a, a big stat wise year, but they still finished number one in rush defense. And anytime, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, Jeff, if they have two good defensive tackles, they're always Ooh. good on defense. They're always good. And you you look at those two middle guys, as good as TCU's defense has played, if those two middle guys play good, if they wreck havoc in the middle, they get to the running backs, get to the quarterbacks, they just plug the gaps, the defense is going to be solid. And you've got two of the best in Corey and Ross. You go back to that 2014 team, the 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 guy that doesn't get mentioned enough, Chucky Hunter, and you got oh, yeah. Chucky Hunter opposite of Davian Pearson. And if I had to be in a bar fight, specifically with some Natty Light and Chucky Hunter, that is who I want because those two guys cause more havoc up front with just the two of them, and then the, of what they were able to do. They you know you know that that is what made that defense hum. That is what made that defense hum. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus because they could all whoop my hand, whoop my tail. But you go look at that 2016 team that went six and seven, lost the Liberty Bowl, got pushed around by Oklahoma State, by Kansas State at the end of the year. Uh, 
we were not strong up the middle in that year. And yeah. we all knew it. And that we paid the price for it. And, I mean, you know, that's when Patterson went out. You know, they, they got Ross Blacklock. They got Corey Bethley. Uh, they'd had Ross redshirt that year on purpose. And, you know, it was obviously a good choice. But look at look at what they've been able to do when they get that size in the middle. It really does. It, it changes everything. And you got those guys that are big and they're quick and they're strong. And I'm looking forward to see what they're able to do because they are going to have some depth. That way he doesn't have to take 85% of the snaps that Ross Blacklock does. So right. it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. So. Yeah, that's my Big 12 prediction. It's going to be a good year. Uh, anything else around the Big 12 going into the media day? I got two recruiting questions for you, Jeremy, and then we'll bring this show to an end. Anything else from Big 12 days, Daniel and Jeremy? You guys want to uh, lift up? We got some new coaches. Uh, what, what do yeah, you think speak, about the new coaches to the league? Oh, we got Les Miles. We got the first Big yeah, 12 speak, media days with speak, Les Miles. Yeah. Speak, speaking of one, he didn't. Uh, he didn't give Opuka too much of a punishment. Oh. Can, oh, that was that was brutal, man. That was brutal. Hey. I'm just my my patience for I have no patience for it. He should that is disgusting. That's all I got to say. That is absolutely disgusting and an embarrassment to the Big Twelve. Yeah, and what's funny is that you know he he got that news basically just what a week after he got hired by Kansas, yeah. and we we're all wondering, okay, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And I don't know the background. I, I mean, we read the stories. You don't know all the stuff behind the scenes, what what there's out there. I, I don't know. But you would figure in a case like that, he would get more than what's basically a slap on the wrist. I mean, you're you're holding him out. FCS game. It's an FCS game. Yeah. So, I mean, Puka got voted first team Big 12. I mean, he's an outstanding player. Uh, he, he's a guy that TCU really wanted. Um, but. You know, they, they never really had a chance after the first, I guess, first few months of his recruitment when he committed to Kansas and all those, even when Jamar Chase committed to Kansas and all those kids from Louisiana committed to Kansas and Kansas had the number two ranked class in the country at one point. You remember that? Mm-hmm. that I do. Day, that two-day span. Jamar Chase commits to him and then he decommitted like a day later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Puka was part of that. Puka was part of that class and, uh, you know, Less, less is going to bring that. <laughs> I don't want to say. I don't want to say he's going to bring that type of behavior to the league, but um, he he has. He's going to bring that type of behavior to the league. Yeah, he's he's coached in the SEC. He's he's been lenient before. Uh, I, I thought it's you know pretty funny. Kansas still gets picked dead last, and you really don't know what you're going to get between five through nine or five through ten, and yeah. really. Probably even before you forward. go on here, I want, I want I read this. I want to say this, and I don't want to get up on a soapbox. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said it on Twitter about Puka Williams getting one game. It's worse than getting, you know, one game basically says, we think you did it, but we really don't care. That's what one yeah. game does, you know. And so that's that's the that's the most insulting part of the of the pro of the disciplinary process about this so that basically they're saying yeah you did it but we just, we just don't care so i yeah. think that's pathetic all right i agree with you that basically i think three through nine is i don't think anybody can really accurately predict where those things are are at i bet if if everybody predicted three through nine uh it would 
it would no no spot would be within one spot of where it is because I think West Virginia is going to be bad, but they could be good by the end of the year. Yeah. I don't know what Matt Wells is going to do at Tech. I think that that I think they're going to have a tough year. I'm really curious to see what Kleiman's going to do at K State. Those guys, they're all good coaches. I think they all have a lot to offer, uh, and I think their programs are going to be stronger for it in the long term. But in the short term, I think they could all take a hit. I mean, like. My biggest fear is we're going to be short bowl teams, and uh, that's going to be bad for the. I'm serious. I mean, like you could have a whole bunch of five and seven. You could have three five and seven teams at the bottom. I don't know how the math works out, but it could be bad. I mean, that's you. You think if Alex Delton gets the starting job, he's not going to circle that Kansas State game? I mean, that's oh, I do, and they get to go back to Manhattan for that one. But you're right. I don't. I don't know how good Kleiman's going to be. I don't know how good Wells is going to be. That I don't. I'll, I'll put it to you this way: I don't fear. I don't fear a Texas Tech team as much as I would if they still had Kingsbury because yeah. Kings, I think Kingsbury gets the best out of his quarterbacks, and I think he did a, mm-hmm. a, a really good job with Alan Bowman because I saw – I'll put it to you this way. I saw Alan Bowman a ton in high school. I, I, I met him early on, and I know the guy personally that trained him. He's one of my friends, and, and my friend always spoke very highly of Alan, and he knew he was going to get a good offer, but – uh, just watching Allen, you didn't, you weren't particularly blown away by what he was able to do, but he just proved so many people wrong once he got to Texas Tech and really turned out to be a good player. I think if he would have stayed healthy in that Oklahoma game, it could have been a, a different ball game in the end. But uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not as worried about a, a Texas Tech team without Kingsbury. I'm not as worried uh, as much with the Kansas State team without Bill Snyder. I'm definitely not worried about a West Virginia team as much as I would be with Holgerson there. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I, and maybe that's just me not knowing the, the new coaches that well. Uh, Matt Wells obviously had success at Utah state. Kleiman had success at the FCS level. Uh, Neil Brown was good at Troy, but you just, you just don't know. There's so many unknown variables with those guys. And, you know, Gary Patterson, he's the, He's the old man in the clubhouse now. I mean, he is by far the the longest tenured veteran there. And you've got other guys like Matt Campbell that are well-respected. And and Lincoln Riley's obviously made a name for himself. And Tom Herman, whether you like him or not, he's he's making a name for himself down at Texas. And uh, you've got Matt Rule that, you know, people hate Baylor. But I'm one of the guys that thinks Matt Rule's a pretty damn good coach. And he's he's the guy that (laughs) they needed to hire. He's he's a – uh, just straightforward guy. He, you can sit there and listen to him talk. I think if anyone would sit there and listen to him talk for about 30 minutes that you would develop a, a, a certain uh, respect for him and, and know that he's just one of those genuine guys that's trying to do good for a program. And I see mm-hmm. people commenting on, well, he went one and 11 his first year. Well, what do you think he was going to do? No matter how talented that group he took over, you're still taking over one of the, the biggest stories in all of college football history that you have to come in there and, and try to coach a group of kids that, you know, I, I can't even go on and ramble about it, but I think he's a good coach. No, I, I think, I think the, they went seven and six last year. Yeah. He's yeah. a good coach. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think he's, well, I, think, I think he's, he's Baylor's one of those schools that, that could be a dark horse. I mean, I think they could come out of nowhere and surprise some people. And I think that's why uh, it's important that TCU gets them at home this year, but yeah, I think overall that that TCU is as far as just looking at where they're placed. I think it's good for them. I think it gives Gary enough ammo and uh, just telling them that they're 
kind of getting disrespected a little bit, but he probably would have wanted them a little bit lower, maybe around six or seven, if we're being honest, just yeah. <laughs> so, so he, so he can make them work that much harder, but yeah, it, it should be fun, man. It should be a fun season. All right. One last thing. I want you to give us an update. Dylan Jordan is going to make it to campus four-star linebacker yep. out of Kansas. If the rumor are, you know, he signed with TCU then story broke. He posted on Twitter, hey, I wasn't going to be able to qualify academically, so I'm going to go the JUCO route. And it looks like there's been a change of events here. Tell us uh, tell us a little bit about what yeah. happened and how big of a score is it for him to be able to make it onto campus? Well, I don't want to get too much into detail about the whole, the whole reasoning behind everything. Um, he okay. did have some academic concerns. Uh, when, when he made that tweet originally – he was kind of in a bad place. Uh, this is where I don't want to get too much in detail. I know about it. Um, I haven't shared any about it, but he felt like there was no way he was going to be able to get to TCU. And that's when he made that tweet. Well, TCU was as caught off guard as everyone else was. They had literally no idea that he was making that tweet. So that's when he was reached out to and said, what are you doing? I mean, do you not want to come to TCU? And he's like, yeah, I want to come to TCU, but there's just no way I can, blah, blah, blah. So they were saying, you're listening to the wrong people. You need to listen to the right people. So they got him to where uh, I think his dad was a major influence to help Dylan get back on the right track. And uh, I think Dylan, you know, I think probably his dad even posted on our board about being proud of, of Dylan, but Dylan yes. did what he needed to do. He had to have uh, an A and a B in two classes and he's had two A's and he messaged me out of the blue on Thursday, I think it was, and said, Hey, just to clear the air, I'm going to be attending and playing football at TCU this year. And so immediately when I got that message, it's, you know, you hear kids tell you that, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you, but you also got to check with the people that know 100% if he's telling the truth or if he's got his information right. And so I made some calls and, and said, hey, this is what Dylan's telling me. Is this accurate? I'd heard that everything up to that point was accurate. That's why I posted on the board earlier in the week that I'm hearing he has two A's in, in his classes. And so once he, once he messaged me Thursday uh, and telling me that he is coming to TCU, I again made calls and asked, is this true? And they like, yeah, I said, okay, well, I'm going to run this. And, and I was told run it, run it. And, and mm. it's, it's good to go. So they don't know the exact day when he'll be on campus. Uh, he's about three quarters of the way through the class. Uh, he's got one test left and I think he would have to have a total wheels off moment, not to, not to uh, get the grade he needs to get to, to get in there uh, and, and be ready to go through fall camp. He is going to be a little bit behind, some of the other kids that have already been on campus since June, going through strength and conditioning, through the offseason running and everything. So he may not be as, as good a shape as the other kids. He hasn't just been sitting at home not doing nothing. He has been working out. He's been doing his conditioning. But high school and lifting and running is a little bit different than what Donnie Summer puts him through once they get on campus and, and, and start doing all those things, getting your meal treatment, and most importantly, becoming a student athlete, taking classes and, and – and, kind of blending in classwork time compared to uh, what you do for football. So just that's why when you have uh, that was a big reason why colleges wanted to get these kids on campus as soon as they can beginning in early June, because they wanted to get them 
into the mode of being a student athlete more than anything. So they can understand the, the nuances of doing your homework, going to class, having to get up early, having to do football film sessions, having to work out, having to run, doing all those things uh, as a college student athlete. And, and that's why they like to have those kids on campus early, but it, he will be, be behind a little bit in that factor. But as, as far as uh, uh, the, the playing time goes, I, I do know, I will, I will break a little something here. Thomas Armstrong uh, the kid they recruited out of Florida is supposedly going to be out for the year because he had a surgery and he's going to be missing the entire season. Uh, Wyatt Harris has been kind of going back. He, he's been told he could be playing some defensive end and some linebacker, kind of like what Ty Summers did. And Wyatt's already up to 231 right now. So he's Woo. got he's got Wes – you know, Wes is a big kid. Hunter was a big kid. He's got it in his blood. He, he's probably going to be a big kid. I can very easily see Wyatt as being like a 6'3", 250-pound kid by the time his career's done. But, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that you've got to look at for Dylan when he comes in. He, he will probably be asked uh, to do a lot of things very early on, especially with those two guys especially with Armstrong being gone, that's that's one less body. And then if, if Wyatt has to play defensive end or how much he plays linebacker is going to, you know, how, how well he does it. Either one of those positions is going to dictate where he plays the most, obviously. But uh, Dylan, Dylan will have a chance to come in there and, and definitely add some depth right away. Well, that's a great update. I'm glad to have him on campus. I'm happy for that kid, and I'm happy for the what he's going to be able to bring to the depth this year. I, ho- I hope he hope he's able to get here for this July next or for this next session, be able to be on campus, enjoy, uh, you know, getting stronger, getting a good meal plan, and all that good stuff. Because I think he's going to be a hard hitter in this league. In this league. Well, guys, unless you got anything else, we're going to bring this show to an end. I don't have anything. I want to. You don't, you don't got nothing. You don't got nothing. Well, I want to give you a little housekeeping thing here. We are in the middle of a transition. We are being uh, uploaded. I don't know if that's the right term. We are being integrated into the megaphone system, which puts us um, fully integrated into the 24-7 sports brand to where if you're following along and there's a story about TCU on another site, you might very well see a podcast from our uh, from our Horn Frog Blitz uh, frogcast right there on that site. So we are going to be moving to transition. It's going to have some hiccups with iTunes. If you're usually getting this with iTunes, we got a few tech things that are out of our control that are being transitioned. We're working with Podbean, where a lot of y'all have it. Uh, please stay with us for these next few weeks. We're going to get this uh, good to go by the time August uh, gets here so that we are fully integrated, ready to drop right onto your phone, and it's going to expand our reach to um, people beyond the TCU community. But if you got friends that like the Horn Frogs, tell them about our podcast. We would really appreciate it, especially going into a big season with high hopes like that we talked about tonight. We'd love for you to get the word out. If you see us on Twitter, retweet, retweet it. If you see it on Facebook, like it and share it. We get the word out about what's going on at the Horn Frog Blitz Frogcast because I think this is going to be a good season. This is going to be a place that you're going to want to talk all about it. Um, if you haven't yet, we want to encourage you to join hornfrogblitz.com on TCU 24-7 Sports. It is the online community for you to know the ins and outs of what's going on inside the program. Our own Jeremy Clark Esquire is as connected to the program as anybody that you will find. Breaking news, you'll find it first at hornfrogblitz.com. So for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.